Welcome to Lung Cancer Concert, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at islc.org in the newsroom. We are your hosts, Dr. Narjus Flores and Dr. Stephen Liu. Hello, this is Lung Cancer Considered, the official podcast of the IASLC. I'm Dr. Stephen Liu, Director of Thoracic Oncology at Georgetown University. And I'm Dr. Narjus Flores, Associate Director of the Cancer Care Equity Program at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. 2023 is the 50th anniversary of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer. As, as we enter this monumental year for ISLC, we do so under a new strategic plan. To discuss what the future of ISLC looks like, we're joined by several of the key leaders of the organization in this special episode. Yes, our first guest is the ISLC CEO, Dr. Karen Kelly, an established authority in the field and accomplished investigator, recently professor of medicine and associate director for clinical research at UC Davis, the ISLAC CEO since 2022. Karen, thanks for joining today. Absolutely. I'm pleased to be here. Karen, you recently unveiled the 2024-2029 ISLC strategic plan and the new mission statement. Can you tell us what that mission statement is and what it means? I'm happy to. First of all, all organizations have mission and vision statements, and they're a concise way to relay our purpose, which in our case is to be the multidisciplinary world authority on lung and other thoracic cancers through collaborative science, education, and advocacy in order to ensure optimal prevention and patient care. Now, in addition to our revised mission statement, we did also modify the vision statement, which describes our long-term results, which is to conquer lung and thoracic cancers worldwide in the 21st century. And what we did is we just tweaked that vision statement to add that time element because we think that that will hold us more accountable as an association. But we also think that both the mission and the vision statements, we hope our members will find inspiring and motivating and that we can all rally around them. Karen, the strategic plan is built on three pillars, collaborative science, global education, and to promote accessible multidisciplinary care. Let's start with collaborative science. What do we mean by that? Well, before I actually tell you the thoughts behind that first pillar, I do want to take an opportunity to thank our board, our committees, our members, and our staff for all of the efforts they have put into creating this new strategic plan. It did take almost a year to be able to put it together to be what we think is a bold new initiative for our association. So getting to pillar one, collaborative science, I actually like to call it impactful collaborative science. The IASLC is interested in supporting and accelerating science that has a global impact. And we believe the best way to do that is with collaboration. We all recognize the power of brainstorming with our colleagues and how when you have one idea, 
you run it by your colleagues and you say to yourself, gee, that's better than what I had thought of on my own. And then we execute those great ideas and always with our colleagues helping us along the way. And that's really how we're going to conquer this disease is together coming up with great ideas and then testing those hypotheses and taking them forward. Now, within Pillar 1, we have three elements to Pillar 1. The IASLC, as everyone knows, does do a, some science, the staging project, of course, being the crown jewel, but we'd like to do a bit more, although we recognize it's challenging as an organization, but we are certainly planning to do some additional initiatives. Secondly, we want to determine how we can help our researchers at home. How can we provide resources to accelerate their research? And then thirdly, we want to help train the next generation of researchers in a global collaborative way. Thank you for sharing that with us, uh, Karen. Global education is um, a passion of mine, and I'm so glad to see it listed as a pillar. What does ISLC have planned to build up in, to build up in this pillar? I would say that the education pillar is really our biggest pillar. Education, knowledge is power. We are really excited to begin the strategic plan, which we just officially launched last week, with another launch this week of our new educational learning platform. The IASLC recognizes the need to educate across the globe. And we have not, I would say, done the best job doing so, but we are certainly very excited about the new platform that we have. It's called ISLC Lung Cancer 360 Education Center. And it is a learning hub. It's got a lot of great new features to it and some unique features. I'm optimistic that you all will love it. Please look at it and let us know. In our soft launch, we've got a lot of great feedback on the Education Center, and we're very, very excited. This is a much needed in the IASLC. I do also wanna say that this is just version one of the new learning platform. We are already starting to work on version two. But again, interested in everybody's comments about the learning management system. The IASLC is interested also in novel ways of learning. And as part of our launch, I'm really proud of the fact that we have several case simulations in this learning system. As I said, it's going to have slides, podcasts, webinars, courses, these simulations. You can easily get to JTO, JTOCRR. It's going to house all of our endorsements. It's also going to house your CME. So we're very, very pleased with what we put together. But again, this has taken us time to put it together. We've had a lot of input. And as I said, I hope everyone will be as excited about it as we are here at the IASLC headquarters. Finally, I wanna say that we will also be wanting to launch a 
needs as an educational needs assessment survey, we really want to hear from our members what they need and what they want, not only in terms of topics, but in terms of CME, in terms of maintenance of certification, in terms of how can we make learning easy, quick, and fun. Well, I can start to give you some feedback right now if you want to. I think the hub is great. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice, refreshed look. You know, over the years, I think if you're constantly in the resources, you kind of figure out how to navigate and where to find what you're looking for. But this new learning hub, this new platform, it's intuitive. It's got everything there. And I don't think that all the members realize how many different resources there are for education beyond you know, the webinars, all the slide content. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's so much out there. So it's nice to have it all in one place. It makes a lot of sense, and I'm excited to see it grow. If, if we think of this third pillar, you know, Islike has always been a multidisciplinary organization. It's one of the things we love about this community. The third pillar focuses on multidisciplinary care, but it, it includes the key word there, accessible. Mm-hmm. What are the plans under this pillar, and can you mm-hmm. talk about inclusion of that word there? So this is our most daunting and our boldest pillar. But that's what every society should have. We need to really stretch ourselves. And it's the heart of what we do, right? That's what you just said, Stephen. If we have great science and then we educate, we have to implement that great science. We are so fortunate to have unprecedented clinical advances in the treatment of thoracic malignancies. But if we can't implement them, we will never, ever achieve our goal. And we know that worldwide access to these advances is challenging. It's a complex problem. And we need to tackle it. We can do it. So in thinking of this pillar, we recognize that we cannot do it alone, that we need to have partnerships, and we need to have a starting point. So our starting point is what does it look like? What do standards look like? So we've developed this multidisciplinary global standards committee to address this question of what is the global North Star? Because we believe that decision makers in countries, the health ministries, the governments, societies, they need to know what it's supposed to look like so that they can start working toward it. If you don't know what it looks like, it's going to take you longer to get to where you need to be. And we think the IASLC can help with this. We also think that that's just step one, that the next step is to be advisors, to be able to work in partnership and collaboration so we can ultimately change policy. Now, this is a long-term goal. It's not going to happen overnight. But as long as we can start it, we will be a step ahead. And we need uh, the great minds of everybody within the IASLC, but also our partner societies, also governmental agencies to work together. This truly is a very complex problem when you think about it worldwide and you think about the deaths of lung cancer, 70% in low and middle income countries to where accessible treatments, and that's not just drugs, that's surgery, that's radiation, that's pathology, that's radiology. We must tackle these issues and help them. 
I think, Karen, the word accessible summarizes also how international the society will be and to understand that there are limited resource settings that we need to work with um, and collaborate all as a society to improve the care of all patients, regardless of where they live, their socioeconomic status, ethnic or racial background, because lung cancer doesn't discriminate and either should treatment. Absolutely. That's why we put this pillar in here, because of exactly what you just said, Narjust. And I think together we can. If we will work together, we are sister organizations and everybody in ISLC, I strongly believe is possible. So we are talking about this five-year strategic plan. I bet it was a very large effort, and you mentioned it was over a year to come out with everything. How did ISLC establish this new five-year strategic plan? Well, like all organizations, typically the strategic plan is revised every five years. Now, we revised our strategic plan about a year earlier, and I think the reasons were multiple. First of all, I had joined the IASLC as the new CEO, which also makes it a good time to redo the strategic plan. But as well, the world had changed since 2018, 2019, when the last strategic plan was developed. And given that, plus my becoming the CEO, it seemed to be the perfect time to really revise the strategic plan. And I'm so glad we we did. I really think it's it's bold, but it's on the right path for us to move forward. And I'm very excited about the strategic plan and all that we have. It has a lot in it, but we've also begun, even though we activated it last week, we have been working toward implementation in the kind of pre-launch phase and cannot tell you how excited we are to launch our new learning management system um, this week, one week into the actual launch of the strategic plan. This was the highest priority for me this year because it is in such need for our organization globally. So I'm just really excited that we were able to do it and pleased that we did not wait to do it. An, an impressive and an important effort. I think that congratulations and thanks are certainly in order. Uh, one parting question, Karen, what can listeners and ISLC members do to contribute to the ISLC mission? Well, the short answer is to be engaged. I say this quite frequently. I need each and every one of our members to help come together to tackle thoracic malignancies. And this reminds me to mention to you all that we do have a, a DEI task force, Narju sits on that task force. And the primary purpose is to create an association that is welcoming and engaging for our members, for every one of them. So we are looking to our DEI task force to come up with an action plan to do just that. So very excited. They've been working very hard at uh, achieving this. It's not easy, but we're putting a lot of thought into making sure that all of our members, we want to welcome anybody that wants to help us conquer thoracic malignancies, please join us because we need 
each and every one of our members. Karen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and follow your leadership and guidance for ISLC. It's a pleasure. Our next guest is the ISLAC past president, Dr. Heather Wakely, professor of oncology at Stanford University, deputy director of the Stanford Cancer Institute, division chief of medical oncology. Heather, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Stephen. This is uh, great that we're covering this topic. Heather, under your presidency, uh, ISLAC membership reached an all-time high. Could you speak uh, for a bit about the ISLAC membership and how it's evolved over time? When I think about what we do as ISLC, really everything is focused on being of value to our members. And we are very mindful of the fact that we are a truly global and multidisciplinary organization. And so we do a lot to make sure that we are reaching out to all of our members and thinking about ways um, that we can provide uh, exciting education, ways to gather together, share that information to make sure that all of our our members are able to, to be engaged. And I think that we've been able to be very successful with that uh, with our live programs and now, of course, with expanding virtual reach, which has uh, led to a lot of enthusiasm for members to to join. I think that was a lot of it. Uh, a lot of our uh, new members are global outside of the United States. And, uh, you know, that's been particularly exciting. And we're now focused on making sure that as new people join, we find ways that, you know, we can help them recognize all of the value of continuing to be an ISLC member. So it's a it's a pretty exciting time. And thinking about what we've done with the strategic plan and the new initiatives of the organization, a lot of it has been really geared towards that. So uh, it's, it's exciting to see all of that coming together. Yeah, it really was a unique time too for your presidency. You know, on one hand, there's been tremendous advancement in the field of lung cancer, drug development, moving at an unrivaled speed. But on the other hand, there was a global pandemic and we had to adapt a lot of the way we do things. Looking back now with some hindsight, can you talk a little bit about how the pandemic impacted ISLC and the scientific community? The pandemic helped us all learn what are the things that we can do virtually. And there is a lot that we were starting to think about, but no one really expected that we could take care of patients virtually, that we could engage uh, in a truly meaningful way for scientific exchange. And so we had to learn very quickly that indeed we could do all of those things. And it's been fantastic. What I think is particularly exciting about the ability to do so many things virtually is it allows us to stay connected as a global community in ways that we can't do when we were expecting everyone to be able to travel in order to have those discussions. And for many people, uh, the idea of traveling halfway across the world is just not possible uh, given uh, different resources in different parts of the world. And yet their patients dealing with thoracic malignancies everywhere and people dedicating their lives to working with them and and doing things to improve uh, their outcomes. And so being able to bring everybody together in a way that's much more equitable, it's much easier to zoom in from anywhere than it is to be able to travel, I think was a fantastic um, opportunity and something we're continuing to evolve. We also learned though pretty quickly that not having any in-person engagement limited people's feeling of belonging as a part of the organization and an ability to connect in other ways. And so 
as things have continued, we are really excited about the fact that we can continue with this hybrid format where people who are able to travel or, you know, as we move our meetings around the world, uh, things become closer or further away for different people at different times. So providing opportunities for people to come together in person because of the importance of that exchange, the importance of that for um, mentoring uh, early people earlier in their careers and so much else. It's just so critical. And having this ability to share the information virtually, to connect virtually and getting creative about ways to do that. I think all of that, the pandemic helped us move that just so quickly to the state where we are today. Yeah, so well said. And you know, I've been impressed at how intentional ISLC has been at, at sort of balancing the, those two concepts. Uh, one last question, Heather, to our listeners who are not yet members how does ISLC membership help people within the lung cancer community? So being a part of ISLC, I think, is a tremendous advantage for anyone who is working in this field. It's really an unparalleled networking opportunity, a chance to, to meet with others, whether that is in person at a conference or on some of our platforms to discuss the excitement that we all share about the, the developments that are happening to ponder over shared questions, um, to you know, share solutions that different groups have come up with. And by being a member, you're able to be a part of that community in a way that you really aren't when you're not a member, can participate in um, uh, many of the committees, many of the opportunities for, for mentorship and mentoring. Um, we get the, the journals, which are absolutely phenomenal and, um, you know, bring, bring us, uh, you know, bring opportunities for us to share that science. Uh, so I've personally joined when I was, uh, in fellowship and would, can, cannot imagine my career without having had ISLC be a part of that and have seen how much it has helped so many other folks. Heather, th thank you so much for all you've done and are doing for ISLC and for our patients. And of course, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Stephen. And uh, thanks to you for doing such a tremendous job with the podcast and helping us to, to share everything that we're doing within ISLC with a broader community. I would like to welcome our current ISLC president, Dr. Paul Van Schiel, professor of thoracic and vascular surgery and consultant at Ant Werp University Hospital. Paul, thank you for being on the podcast. Hello, everybody. It's a real pleasure to join this podcast. Thank you. Paul, your ISLC presidency is just underway. We are moving on with a new five-year strategic plan. What concrete changes can members expect in the coming years? Uh, thank you. The main change is that this year we start to implement our three main pillars, as you already heard, collaborative science, global education, and as our CEO calls it, the stretch pillar, accessible multidisciplinary care. Specific goals have been set already for 2024. New committees have been created and they start working now. Luckily, there's a lot of enthusiasm from the membership to participate in these new committees. Our ISLC office is currently very well organized to provide the necessary support. Moreover, for each committee, we have a liaison board member to closely follow up the activities of the different committees and report to the ISLC board. 
Uh, personally, I want to indicate that I'm mainly involved in scientific pillar number one, which aims to be very impactful. Examples I like to give are expanding the ISLC Academy with creation of new positions, but also enlarging the specific content that will allow more early career investigators to start their academic career. We will also award a mid-career level grant in 2024, which shows our commitment to renowned scientists in their mid-career. This is somewhat forgotten group, as not everyone at this level will be able to rise to the highest possible academic position. Equally important is that our new ISLC Education Center, called LungCancer360, has been launched. There are new exciting features that comprise a global, valuable resource for further education in order to keep track of all new developments in thoracic oncology. And as you know, there are quite a lot at this time point. Thank you so much for that detailed answer. I love the focus on education and accessibility. I think this five-year strategic plan is expanding the reach of ISLC not only to early career investigators, but for nations that are low to middle income country. How does the ISLC plan to build on his strong multidisciplinary membership and continue to engage with surgeons such as yourself? Yes, of course, this is our main strength, differentiating us from most other societies, involving not only specialists in diverse medical professions, but also incorporating allied health professionals and even patients in the multidisciplinary care of thoracic oncology patients. Currently, our CEO, Karen Kelly, and the board are exploring collaboration with other scientific societies with an interest in thoracic oncology, also in Europe as the ESTS, the European Society of Thoracic Surgeons, and the ERS, the European Respiratory Society. In fact, some of them came to our ISLC leadership to look at mutual cooperation. Anyway, we want to create a solid basis, not only just providing a dual membership option, but also by exploring common scientific projects and educational webinars, symposia, and international meetings. Also important to me personally is our local visibility. And I was quite proud that our Oncology Winter Symposium last Saturday in my hometown in Antwerp, Belgium, was endorsed by the ISLC. At the upcoming ESTS conference in May in Barcelona, we have a common ESTS ISLC symposium on the new 9th edition TNM staging in thoracic oncology. Although this symposium is nearly the end of the conference, it is usually very well attended. I agree with you, Paul. That part about staging is so important because when you finally get a sense of how you're staging, you know, we change it again. So that session at work conference is so helpful for me. And I think many people agree with you that it is at the end, but it is very well attended. So Paul, my last question for you is for members and listeners who want to help the ISLC mission, what can they do? I suggest and I encourage them to have a look at our website, isoc.org, exploring the details of our well-developed uh, strategic plan and the different committees that are involved. Look at the different topics. Try to engage in one of them, which carries your spe special interest. Moreover, several emails will be sent around 
providing more practical information on how to apply and engage in the different projects that have been set out. Equally, try to actively participate in our conferences, especially the World Conference on Lung Cancer, the WCLC, in San Diego in September, which marks our 50th anniversary. And this represents a very nice opportunity for international networking. Moreover, San Diego is a very beautiful city and the social program already looks excellent. I will have to pitch in here as they'll come in chair. Anybody is going to be so excited to have World Conference back in the United States. And you will have the opportunity to see Paul in real life and many other leaders from ISLC. Paul, thank you so much for all your ongoing efforts within ISLC and beyond. And thank you for joining us today. Okay, thank you. Bye, everybody. Our last very special guest today is the IASLC president-elect, Dr. Tsaitsun Zhou, professor, chief physician, and director of medical oncology at Shanghai Pulmonary Hospital, Tongji University School of Medicine. Tsaitsun, thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Liu. It's my great pleasure to be here. Tsaitsun, you began your term as president-elect of ISLAC during a year where you also achieved tremendous professional and academic accomplishments uh, just a moment to congratulate you again on two first author New England Journal of Medicine papers in one day. Uh, for our listeners, and maybe for me too, do you have any advice on balancing clinical, professional, and, and personal responsibilities? Yeah, thank you very much. It's a, a very a good question, but not easy to answer. So <laughs> at first, I'd like to give my thanks to uh is like member for their great support and assistance. I really appreciate this great opportunity to we work with IACLC members. Hope we can work together and contribute collectively to prevention and combat ulcerative cancer. Yes, I have a very big team, have so many uh, responsibilities including medical care, teaching, clinical translation research, and academic activities. This responsibility are equally important to me, so I have to balance time of each day. So in fact, I'm not good at time balance. I do my best to finish my work as soon as possible. Usually I evaluate significance, and the urgency of each work, then make decision which task should be go first. But anyway, yes, IACLC is always my priority. Wow, well, that's great to hear. As soon as we look at the, your upcoming presidency and the growth of the ISLC, how important is continued growth in Asia to ISLAC in the coming years? Yeah, of course, we need more uh, ESLAC members from Asia. As you all know, Asia is the largest continent with such big diversities and the largest population in the world, with more than 50% of the population living in this area. Majority of cervical cancer are from Asia. Development is not balanced among these countries. There is no common language in this area. Each country has its own language, leading to a certain communication barrier. 
Besides, many regions of Asia have poor access to the lower salopy and to a few clinical studies on lower target or drugs. Treatment outcome of psoriasis cancer is not as good as in Europe and North America. We know the mission of ESLOC is to improve all aspects of prevention and patient care, effectively prevent and combat psoriasis cancer worldwide, and transform scientific advancements into actionable patient-centered intervention. I do think without progress of lung cancer diagnosis and treatment in Asia, the global control of psoriasis tumors cannot be achieved. Majority of Asian ESLAC members are from Japan and China. We need more and more members, not only from Japan and China, but also from other countries such as India, Philippines, Malaysia, to increase their participation in ESLAC activities and thus improve the level of medical care and study for psoriasis cancer in Asia. Yeah, these are really important points. I think the communication barriers are really exaggerated. So many different languages, different barriers to communication in a small geographic area. And you're right, access to drugs continues to be a big challenge, but hopefully one that ISLAC is poised to meet. Tsaitsun, uh, one last question. Can you talk about the importance of ISLC in your own career development and why listeners who are not currently members should consider joining ISLC. Right, joining ISLC is really important to me, give me a lot of help in my career. I become ESRAC member in 2002 or 2003. Since being active member, I have made some achievements in clinical care and the study of lung cancer. I learned a lot by World Conference of Lung Cancer Symposium and guidelines in sexual. We also made a good social connection with many abroad friends. We enjoy working with us experts to do clinical study and translation studies. Now I become a kind of expert in clinical and translation research and serve as leading PI of about 20 to 30 clinical trials each year. With the help of European experts, we organize Chinese-German non-cancer forum for 10 years, once per year. We all know that IACLC is only global multidisciplinary academic society with purpose to control or cure psoriasis cancer. Many uh, great, uh, great medical, surgical, radiation oncologists, pathologists, translation, and the basic, uh, basic scientists are active member of our society. In, in the ESLOC, you will find all kinds of information or guidelines on the diagnosis and treatment of psoriasis cancer, such as only diagnosis, the uh, screening of lung cancer, then immunotherapy, targeted therapy, radiotherapy, biomarkers, translation, and mechanism studies. You can always find something of interest to you. 
I do encourage more and more young doctors who are not members should consider joining his log and become active members, try to contribute to the combat thoracic cancer globally, as long as all our experts access global work together. So thoracic cancer can be controlled and cured and become the history. Absolutely. Very well said. Tsai-Tsun, uh, thank yeah. you so much for, for all of your work, for our community, for our patients, and of course for ISLAC, as well as for being a guest on this podcast episode. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's my great pleasure. Wish to see you soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Long Cancer Considered. Thank you to our guests for being here with us. We appreciate your time and all the work you are doing in the field. For more episodes of Long Cancer Considered, please give us a listen in a Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, islc.org newsroom tab. You can give us a listen the first and third week of every month. Thank you and goodbye.